Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome to today's show, everyone. Graham Kowalka and Kelvin Ostrom are here with me today, and we're going to have an uplifting conversation. I'm sorry, guys, I could not resist. <laughs> Graham and Kelvin have been in the elevator industry for about 10 years now, first as part owners of a home elevator manufacturing and installation company. And now after selling their portion of that business, they've started their own company called Goodgate. And that company specializes in the safety devices called carriage gates for home elevators, which are basically the the things that slide back and forth and prevent you from falling into the elevator space. So welcome guys, total pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. And uh, no, no relation whatsoever to Brandy. <laughs> no, not, not, not at all. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think every Kowalka in, in Canada is related. So it's, it's pretty, pretty standard. <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know, my last name is also Kowalka and Graham is my brother and he's so graciously agreed to come on the show and Calvin is his business partner. So how common are home elevators really? I mean, they seem like a pretty bougie item. So how, how common are they? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can take that one. Uh, you know, they're more common than you would think. You know, there's roughly between 15 and 20,000 home elevators that go in and to homes every year in North America. So it's, it's not a small in business really. And that's just the residential part, um, you know, so it's, a, it's pretty sizable. And, you know, it's not like every house has one today, but they, they are more common than you might think. And why do we think this is becoming a something that's more commonly done in a renovation or a new build? Why, like, what, what do we attribute that to? Well, Calvin, you want uh, to talk yeah, about can, that one? I can jump in on that. Um, I think a big part of it is the aging population and baby boomers that have some money. And in reality, if you're renovating your house, it doesn't take a ton of money to get into a residential elevator and the convenience of being able to stay in your own house and in your own space as you age. I think a lot of people are looking towards that. And uh, so there's that end of it. And I think COVID will accelerate that because as we've seen in the last year, uh, it's a lot more comfortable being in your own house than potentially in a crowded place with a bunch of other people. And then there's also a luxury market as well that it's becoming more of a high-end home thing where people are also putting in higher end elevators purely for the luxury of it to have it yeah well it's like a, having a pool or a tennis court or whatever it's like just another one of those sort of high ticket items that you know people use in their designing of their homes and all that kind of thing and I I also am finding that the aging in place component is something that is becoming or has already been something that's been, you know, at the forefront of what's happening in a lot of residential uh, renovation. But, um, you know, the gone are the days where people are, are prepared and going to accept to be warehoused as they age. <laughs> really, yeah. right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, with, you know, gone are the days too, or where people are just content to sit on on their front porch in a rocking chair and then that's all they do like we want to travel we want to live a really broad and exciting life even as we age and being able to live in our houses as we do that and you know our joints get bad or you know whatever and you know to be able to use all of your house and having an elevator in there i think is definitely something that more and more people are going to consider in the future 
Um, now, what are the, the sort of the options or the things that maybe people should consider? Are there different even are there different types of home elevators? Like, I mean, to me, an elevator is an elevator is an elevator, but you know, I'm assuming that there be a few different options or types of things that you should consider. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, lots of things on the mechanical part of an elevator that you know most people don't see. Like, you get in, it's a box, it goes up and down, right? And that's the part most people see. Yeah. Uh, and you know that's that's the part that is you know aesthetics and you know like things that you know your your company like would be art and all that would be very familiar with you know different woods you know paneling you know flooring types etc you know like that's the part people really see and touch and feel uh, so that has lots of options like you know <laughs> you want Italian marble from you know some special quarry fine you know like <laughs> the sky's the limit right. You know, I've, I've even seen, uh, you know, that glass you have on your smartphone, it's called uh, Gorilla Glass. It's like really tough and hard to break. Like you can make an entire elevator cab for your house out of that if you want, hmm. uh, but it's like $50,000 for the glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've seen it. Like there's, there, you know, kind of the sky's the limit of what you want, might want to do for the interior. So there's all of that. Uh, but uh, that, then that, that's the, the whole, cosmetics of it. Yeah. But it's important because, you know, like that's the part people see and touch every day. Yeah. You know, so, and it kind of diverges because there, there's, you know, utility, you know, that's age in place, you know, uh, more utility side, you know, appliance. And then there's the luxury market that's a, a totally different thing. For sure. Um, so, and there's not much in the middle. It's usually one of the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, are, is there like from the mechanical side of it, the stuff that you don't see, the guts of it, are there different sort of applications or types of uh, actions that would be, you know, you maybe choose one over another? Like, I don't know, like you, you tell me like what, what, how, how do the things actually operate? Is there something mechanical that, you know, you would want to choose from or between? Oh, dangerous question now you're getting talking to two mechanical we don't need a lesson in physics and all of that kind of stuff but like obviously I, i'm imagining anyway that there would be a couple of different options to choose from yeah for yeah. sure yeah calvin there's do you want to take that one yeah there's a few different options so there's if we stick with the, the traditional box shaped elevator you can have everything from a winding drum which is kind of like a winch. It's a little more elaborate than that, but it's basically kind of like a winch that lifts it up and lowers it down where a cable wraps around a drum. Yeah, I can totally, I can totally visualize it, yeah. Yeah, you can have hydraulic, which is where you have a, a piston or a cylinder and hydraulic fluids pumped into the cylinder and that basically lifts the car up and down. Right. You can have traction shiv, which is basically like what you see in the big office towers where mm -hmm. it actually has a motor and a gearbox at the top and a cable that's counterweighted and has weights on one side and the car on the other so that the weights go up when the car goes down and vice versa right uh, is there is there one application of that that's better suited for a, a home elevator or do you kind of just see them throughout depending on what the needs are and how many floors were going up and all that kind of thing um kind of throughout uh, I would say in general, winding drum tends to be the, the lower end side of the market and the hydraulic and the traction shift tend to be the higher end side. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, there are limitations on hydraulic in terms of how far you can go height wise, because right. you basically have a cylinder. So you can have multi-stage cylinders, but basically 
the cylinder has to reach to whatever height you want to go to. Right, and it can, can only go down so far as well. To, yeah, whatever. and there's different mechanics behind that that you can get a little extensions, but there's a reason that they don't do hydraulic cylinders in high-rise towers, right? Because they, you do, it would just be too large a cylinder. So at some point, you know, the uh, traction shift and winding drum starts to make more sense. Right, okay. So um, there's sort of a balance about functionality and, you know, limits of physics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn that physics. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, terrible, terrible stuff. That gravity, <laughs> that wily e. coyote doesn't like the gravity so much. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> another, um, oh, sorry, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead, Calvin. I was going to say another thing to consider is beyond the traditional elevator, there's a couple of more creative solutions out there as well. Oh, I love creative. Give it to so, me. So there's basically um, vacuum tube elevators. So instead of a box and mechanical system, you have air pressure and a tube. And so they look like they're out of a sci-fi uh, future thing, but basically you have a platform and a tube that travels up and down based on air pressure. And what, so there would be a compressor involved with that then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it, uh, think, think Jetsons, so we're covering all our yeah. cartoons. Here. No, that's, I'm, I'm imagining like, <laughs> yeah, I think of them in terms of um, Costco used to have them at the checkouts where they put the money in the little tube and get sucked yep. away yeah. to some room somewhere. Yeah, It's the same principle, but big enough to put a person in it and move them from floor to floor. Yeah, perfect. I, I like the jet. I like the Jetsons analogy too, because you know, <laughs> yeah. of an era, yeah, <laughs> of an era, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people would maybe be concerned about is safety. Um, you know, obviously in a commercial elevator, you have like little red, you know, emergency button that you, <laughs> that you have to press, or like the phone is inside, and you know what happens if you know you get stuck or you know whatever. And I've personally been stuck in an elevator before, and and the phone was really handy. Let me tell you, <laughs> I've now checked that off my bucket list. Let me not. I don't have to go into it, but yes, I was stuck in an elevator once. Oh no. Um, so are, are, I mean, are the are home elevators safe, and is there uh, some way a fail safe to get in touch with somebody if you happen to get stuck in one? So the safety part is is taken care of pretty heavily by having um, what they what they call is like a it's kind of like building code but it's elevator code. Right. So in reality, you know, think about elevators. Like, how many people do you hear about dying in an elevator? Of, of, like zero. Of like an elevator incident, probably zero. Yeah. Having a, a jammer or something, there's probably more sure. people than what we would think. But yeah. Right. But you know, like you never hear in the paper about a, an elevator incident where you know 20 people died. Like it just doesn't happen. No, no, you know, you're right. So, although know, now, now I is... want to Google elevator, uh, you know, deaths, yeah. deaths. elevator <laughs> catastrophes. <laughs> yeah. Truthfully, the 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 most common uh, accidents are usually a technician who's doing some kind of maintenance and they didn't do their 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 lockouts and checks properly. Like that happens more often than actual users. Yeah, that seems like a really ugly death, but okay, let's move on. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it can be, you know, and there's a whole sec separate part of code about what you have to do to keep people safe when they're doing maintenance. Yeah. But, so they're, they're incredibly safe, uh, you know, in reality, you know, like even on the order of like another magnitude compared to like plane travel, which is, you know, infinitely safer than car travel. Right. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're set up in such a way that they are very safe as long as you apply all the things that are in the code. So 
you know, if you don't uh, apply the things that are in the code, well, it's kind of like driving a car without brakes. Yeah. Well, you could do it. It's not recommended. <laughs> no, not recommended at all. So uh, what, sorry, happens, what, what happens, if I, get stuck, what happens yeah. if I get stuck in one of these suckers and maybe I don't have my cell phone with me? Is there, other than banging on the thing and hoping somebody can hear you, like what, what, right, uh, so, what if any so fail safes are involved in that? So every elevator, uh, residential elevator is required to have by code a manual over, override device, meaning you can basically manually uh, move it to another landing, okay. uh, whether that be up or down. But that would require somebody outside the shaft in the car to do that for you. So if you were living alone or you were alone many times on your own, uh, then you can also add things in, into the carriage itself where you can have, uh, you know, say you forgot your phone, you didn't have it on you, right? Uh, you can't call 911. So you can actually have like a safety panel right on board the elevator that will dial out for you with like press of a button. Right. Uh, it has that red button that you were talking yeah. about. Yes, my, my emergency red button. Yeah. Um, now you do have to connect that up. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. It's good to test yeah. that out every now and then, I suppose. Which so. which don't 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 make me go into it, but yeah, you know, it's been done. Like people are like, yeah, I got the feature and then didn't connect it. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. You know? yeah and you can also have elevators where you just put a phone in it. So it'd be the same. Yeah. Not everyone has a landline anymore, but if you have a landline, you basically just have uh, a phone like you'd have anywhere else in your house on the wall in the elevator that you can use. Yes. Okay. It's well, that, that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, if you're, you know, if aging in place, it, it, it can be a significant concern. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I would, you know, I would imagine though, I don't think Google would tell me that there's been that many home elevator incidents either. <laughs> you know, like I think yeah, the, yeah. The, the protocols and the code and the, the safety checks and all that kind of stuff are very rigorous for elevator work. I know that to become an elevator technician, it's like a four-year sort of apprenticeship type of deal. And, you know, it's, it's a really big thing. So um, I, th I think the industry itself has probably done a lot to make sure that things are safe. But I'm, I can see also being a question that people would have. So I'm glad that we've addressed it. Um, so what are some of the biggest uh, things I need to think about or consider if I'm planning on putting an elevator in, be it a renovation or a new build? So the, the biggest thing to consider is where are you physically going to put the elevator in the house? So if you walk around a, a typical house that someone's already living in and visually think from floor to floor to floor, the elevator has to go straight up and down somewhere. Yeah. And so you have to have a spot that it can fit vertically in the house. So on a renovation, that comes to looking at where in the house might that work? Is there a family room, living room, master bedroom that are all lined up that you can take a corner out of all of them? Um, another possibility is adding it to the outside of the house. So yeah. you could go through the wall of the house and add a shaft somewhere on the outside of the house. You see that a lot too. Um, it definitely usually works better with the house to not have to cut through all the floors. Yeah, um, actually, this, this option that you're talking about was one that just jumped to my mind so that you're not impacting your square footage or your your, your floor plate um, and you're not eating into the, the usable area that you want to actually live into. Um, and oftentimes, you know, you, you wouldn't want to take out your staircase, right, to yeah. go up and down. You want to still have well, the stairs and from a, a code and a safety perspective, you need to have mm. two um, points of access, right? So, yeah. And that's a key point. 
a lot of people think <laughs> I'm just going to take out my stairs, put it there. You can't do that. You can't, um, as you said, code and safety wise, um, if the elevator breaks down or there's like a fire or something in the house, you have to have your stairs there to get an out. You can't just rely on the elevator. Yeah. But I have seen people, if you have curved stairs or stairs that come down and then do a 90, mm -hmm. sometimes that space inside of the stairs works. And so I've actually seen some really nice elevators that have glass surrounds that basically fit the curvature of the stairs. So right. they become a feature inside the stairway, but you have to have enough space inside that curve. Yeah, no, and that that's a good point too. Um, and then, I mean, obviously there's gonna be some some noise factor as well. You're not gonna maybe put this thing right beside a bedroom, for instance, um, you know, and obviously depending on the, the type of mechanics involved, are there some that are quieter than others or is it just they're all about the same from a decibel level and then, you know, you'd wanna choose something that's, you know, not right next to a bedroom. Yeah, and um, it will vary. So, I mean, there is some mechanical noise, so it'll depend on, well, did you insulate the shaft? How well, you know, um, there's also a maintenance factor, uh, you know, and there's different types, different manufacturers, some are better quality than others. Uh, you know, noise generally, I would say, with hydraulics is uh, the lowest. Okay. Uh, th that being said is where you put the hydraulic power unit uh, will also affect where you're getting the noise. True. Uh, so, convenient. You know, but yeah, if you put the hydraulic power unit right next to your bedroom, it's going to be noisy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and then, you know, anything with ropes or chain or, uh, you know, that kind of thing, it will be noisier. But again, there, there can be ones that are very quiet. You, you know, you just have to sort of check. And the easiest way to do that is to go, okay, if I'm going to consider one manufacturer or another, can, can I go and see an installation and see what the noise is like? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And some people, when they get old, are pretty deaf. So sometimes it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I, I know I'm losing my hearing already along with my <laughs> right. Um, and I would also imagine that the, you know, all of these things would uh, be impacted by the price point. So, you know, the, the less expensive versions would be kind of, you get what you pay for. It's a little noisier, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you pay a little more, you start mitigating that and you go to the nth degree and all of a sudden, like you're saying, you can insulate the shaft like crazy and, you know, put that motor in a place where it's not going to be too disruptive and all that kind of thing. So uh, talking about costs, uh, I'm imagining this would be like, you know, stratospheric in its cost, but <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm out to lunch there. So what are the sort of the ranges? I mean, obviously it's every application is going to be different. Every house is different. I get all of that part, but is there kind of a, a range of costs that people would, you know, be able to consider here? Yeah. Uh, so some of that will depend again on fit and finish as well as number of landings, like how, how many floors you're trying yeah. to service. Uh, and then the big, biggest factor on cost is the shaft already there. So if you have to do a reno and you have to build an entire shaft or do a complete renovation job, that is a whole separate cost. Yeah. But just the elevator and install the elevator shaft is yeah. sorted. You know, you can go anywhere from, you know, $15,000 installed all the way up to hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're doing really wild wacky stuff. Right. Um, more more average is that sort of 20K, 20 to 25, you know, really? kind of th three floors, nothing too fancy, uh, you know, installed, you can you can do that. Uh, shaft and electrical, 
you know, if you had to do reno, it was a separate. Yeah, a separate thing altogether. Now you see, that's less money than I would have expected. I was thinking. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you can, you can buy a fridge for that, right? <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> and 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 only one fridge. Yeah. For that much. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so it, it is less expensive than people. Some people might think, uh, especially, but there is that shaft. Especially if you're doing it into a new build. Oh yeah. If you look at the cost of a new build, if you design the shaft in anyway, it's really not that expensive of an adder if you're already building a new house. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's it's also something, um, you know, what I call future proofing, that. You know, say when we're going to be renovating a bathroom, for instance, we're going to put in backing for grab bars, even though maybe the client doesn't need grab bars right now. But, you know, we've chosen beautiful tile, we've done, you know, beautiful niche and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, 10, 15 years from now, maybe they're going to need a grab bar. And we don't have to take down all that beautiful tile work in order to put in some backing to put a grab bar. And so we usually go the distance and you know, put a bunch of backing in all over the place <laughs> so that you can kind of just choose wherever you wanted to put that grab bar in the future. And yeah. I would imagine that, you know, when you're building something new and we're talking about um, choosing a location, future-proofing, and we can, can basically allocate uh, a space for a potential elevator lift in, in, the, in the future. And I'm guessing that, you know, we can be really crafty about that and not just leaving this big blank open square space somewhere. <laughs> you could utilize that area in one way or another. What have you guys seen done? Yeah, I mean, stacked closets is the most common. So you you basically have, you know, closets that are stacked on top of each other so that it could be converted to a shaft at some other date. But right now it's basically storage if you don't want the elevator today. You know, yeah. and um, Almost every manufacturer in the in the entire space, like if you put a four foot by four foot stack closet set in your house on the interior, that's a very sizable shaft that will you know cover anything you might want for the future. Yeah. So if, is is that the approximate size then that people would need, like four feet by four feet? Is that kind of like the minimum, or is um, not the minimum, that but that's it? the ideal to have a elevator shaft that doesn't then make the the cab or the carriage feel really small. Mm -hmm. um, so basically the code says you can have an elevator with a floor space of 18 square feet uh, home elevator residential purposes so then you have a little bit of space for all the mechanical stuff and this and that whatever but and you know if you look at drawings from any of the manufacturers that do kind of the more traditional ones that are not the creative uh, tube type you know a four foot by four foot can they do smaller sure it just makes your cab smaller <laughs> yeah no for sure Another thing to think about if you're doing that, um, kind of exactly like you were talking about with the backing for grab bars, is on whatever wall is going to be your wall with the mechanical, talk to the manufacturers ahead of time and put the framework into the wall ahead of time. Mm, yeah. So that uh, whatever wall you're going to attach the rails to that's going to bear the weight of the machine needs some additional framework and some additional studs in there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can easily put that in. So you have these stacked closets with one of the walls already has that mechanical in it yeah. um, for the support. And yeah, a couple hundred bucks worth of lumber now versus having to tear it, out, tear it apart later. Yeah, yeah, well, and it could be really disruptive, obviously. And yeah. I'm imagining you would, you would also need to have something as far as like a footing, a concrete pad or whatever on the ground to... Um, you actually don't need much for the actual footing because it gets tied into you know this structural element. You need a certain amount of concrete, but any uh, any standard you know, form would probably do it. Yeah, I mean yeah. if you're if you're doing any kind of standard form work, 
uh, and concrete for your home, it's it's more than sufficient. Okay, cool. Good stuff. So is there anything else that you guys want to share with us about elevators, lifts, um, any other things, food for thought that someone should think about if they're considering it? Or have we touched uh, the on everything? aspect I would say is still the primary one. And, um, you know, we're in a particular portion of the business, which is around carriage gates. And uh, these are kind of a fundamental safety device. Uh, so basically, you know, like if the gate isn't closed, then basically the elevator won't move. Yeah. And um, this is a, a really important part of an elevator because uh, if you have kids or grandkids or anything, like they love to play with doors and elevators uh, and, you know, they're small. So if you don't have one of these gates in place uh, to basically keep the elevator from moving, uh, if it's not closed, then, you know, there can't, there have been incidents. Uh, and the code has actually been tightened up sort of routinely over the last hundred years. Um, but in the most late, latest iteration, they even closed this uh, sort of area around the door and the gate to even tighter than it was before. And that would happen in 2016. Uh, so, and they're always sort of trying to make sure that they're at the forefront of trying to make sure that, you know, nobody is going to get injured. Um, right. That's kind of where our company came from is we wanted to build a product that was going to comply with this new version of the code. Yeah. So is that um, uh, something that sort of prompted you to create this company called Goodgate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we divested out of um, a different company that we were a part of and there was a few products that we, you know, as a manufacturer of elevator packages, we just didn't like, mm -hmm. uh, or they, you know, they were difficult to work with, or we just didn't think they were very nice, uh, you know, or aesthetic. Again, this carriage portion is the part that people see the most. Yeah. And, you know, one of the products around this sort of safety gate portion uh, was basically what they call an accordion gate, which is think like 1980s space divider. Yeah. No, I uh, you know, in your school gym. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that, you know, like, which is fine. Like it's functionally okay. Uh, but it, you know, like it, it doesn't look very modern. It wasn't really purposely designed. And we said, you know, like you're, if you're going to spend $20,000 on a, on an elevator, the, do you really want to look at something every day that you use it and you go, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> it looks terrible. Yeah, um, for sure. So we, we, we wanted to go off and basically take on a few products that we just never really found a good one in the marketplace when we were building whole packages. Cool. So if a listener was going to engage in, you know, putting an elevator in their home and they wanted to have a, a better carriage gate, how would they get in touch with you guys? Right. Yeah. I mean, we have our website, you know, goodgate.ca. So we're a Canadian company, uh, but we have, uh, you know, a number of distributors, or, uh, you know, companies that we work with that uh, use our product in, in their bigger elevator product. Uh, so you can always visit us at goodgate.ca. Uh, you know, there are a number of elevator suppliers and manufacturers out there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're happy to work with any of them if you like what we're doing. But at the same time, you know, there's lots of local companies uh, that, that can work with you. If, and really, you know, you type into whatever search engine you like, you know, you know, home elevator and, you know, there'll be a bunch of options there. Um, and then if you're not sure if they're giving you a straight story, even if it's not to sell you something which we don't really sell to the public, we sell to other manufacturers. You right. know, if you want an opinion, we'll give you one, <laughs> and it'll be pretty impartial because you know, you know, we work with a particular set of manufacturers, but we work with a whole bunch of different ones. Right, for sure. Um, well, I feel like I've gotten a, a big education 
on elevators with this show, even though you are my brother and I did know what you did before, but you know, I never really sat down and talked to you very much about it. So this has been really cool for me and Calvin awesome to have you on the show as well. I've met you, you know, a handful of times and, and uh, I know you and Graham have been, you know, friends and, and business partners for a number of years as well. So uh, before I close out the show, um, I want to ask you guys a couple of fun questions each. Uh, and then um, we'll call it a day. So, um, fun, uh-oh, fun questions. Fun questions, yeah. And, do I, and that, do I need and my attorney present? No, it, it's all PG. There's nothing nefarious about it. Um, so, uh, the first question is what would you like to change or renovate most in your own homes? I'll have Calvin go first. That's an easy one because we're actually planning a renovation right now. So okay, so what, give it's me the our good. Master, our, master, our master bathroom. It's got a few different things about it that are a little dated and it's also got some water damage around the shower. So it, uh, it needs it. So we're planning that right now. Hopefully end of the summer, we'll be tearing it all apart. Excellent. Graham, how about you? What, what, well, what do you my, mine's super easy too, because we're getting baked right now uh, in Alberta and Western Canada. So it's air conditioning, job done. <laughs> Well, it's hardly a reno. It's more infrastructure. Well, I don't know. Uh, you gotta, you gotta contract somebody. Uh, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, All right. So, and the second question is: Are you handy? And if so, what is your favorite tool? And if not, which tool do you think would be the most fun to use? Graham, hit me with that. Oh, am I handy? Uh, I guess that's a grayscale, right? Compared to whom? You know, com <laughs> compared to my wife, yes, very handy. Uh, compared to my friend Dale, oh, oh definitely not. <laughs> uh, Dale is the most useful person on the planet. <laughs> All right, and then um, what's your favorite tool when you do when you do choose to like you know bust out your handyman? Oh um, yeah, I mean I lo I love the my Dewalt Impact uh, drill uh, or or the, like I don't know you know regular drills after using the Impact for anything I don't know I just <laughs> totally fair uh, yeah. yeah and how about how about you Calvin are you handy and what tool do you like to use? Or if you're not, which one do you think would be the most fun? Yeah, um, I'd say generally I'm handy. Most things I can figure out how to fix. Uh, and I'm having a lot of fun. My son's 11 now, so he's starting to become handy and uh, fix things himself. And tool-wise, I'm pretty simple. I think just a multi-bit uh, uh, screwdriver that you can change out and do all kinds of different things with. No CNC so. router? No, CNC equipment at the shop. That would be uh, yeah. CNC equipment at the shop's pretty fun. That that's more fun uh, and more exciting, but uh, it doesn't really do much for home renovation. No, <laughs> no it not really. No. Although you, you can get some pretty fancy, you know, wood paneling or whatever, going different shapes yeah, yeah. and all that kind of thing. If if you were yeah. into that, you know, me always bringing it back to the wood products. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, all right, guys, it's been really awesome having you on the show today. And um, I hope for those listening, uh, you have learned as much as I have about home elevators. And uh, if you're considering putting one in, um, but, you know, we've had a lot of food for thought here. So thanks for joining me, guys. And um, ciao for now. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for All Things Renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now. <laughs>